All right, if you would please turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 10. John chapter 10, I'll be reading verses 1 through 6. I'm not going to get through verses 1 through 6. Yeah, um, it's, it's, I, I know it's not on my ear, but can you, everybody hear me? Yeah, it's too sweaty to have it on my ear. I, I rigged it. I think it should be okay. I won't move too much. Uh, John chapter 10. John chapter 10, uh, beginning at verse 1. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet, they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Amen. Amen. So Jesus had just healed this blind man. And this chapter really is a continuation of chapter 9. He is still speaking specifically to the Pharisees. The they, in verse 6 of John 10, are the Pharisees. And throughout the Gospels, this is just something generally for you that's helpful. Whenever you see this, most assuredly, verily, verily, amen, amen, all the same. Literally, this is amen, amen. Jesus is always continuing his discussion. He's adding or amplifying the point. He had just finished saying to the Pharisees that they were blind and that their sin remained. And then he says, amen, amen. And he begins to talk about, not his, uh, this is a great chapter. Um, if it was a lot cooler in here, we'd spend a lot more time on it, on these verses. But this is an amazing chapter because Jesus talks about himself as the good shepherd. But in verses 1 through 6, his focus is not primarily upon himself as the good shepherd but the qualifications for shepherds. What qualifies one to be a shepherd? And although they did not understand the illustration, it is because they were blind. That's why they didn't understand the illustration. They did not get the point. Because God had repeatedly throughout the Old Testament spoken to His people in this way, particularly about Shepherds and shepherding. The illustration now that Jesus uses would have been very common to the people of that time. Either cities, towns, communities, or families, they would have had sheep folds or sheep pens. And uh, depending on 
you know, you, you read 10 different commentaries, they describe these sheep pens 10 different ways. But generally, it was a walled enclosure, maybe 15 feet, with a narrow door that only allowed one sheep to go in at, the, at, at a time, and then there was another door with it where a porter would lay at night. And the purpose of him being there was to keep the sheep, of course, from getting out, or thieves from getting in and stealing the sheep. And the porter would know the shepherds. And the porter would be the one that allowed the shepherds to enter in. And when the shepherds entered in, they had such an intimate relationship with their sheep that they would whistle, say, let's go, whatever it was that they would use, and the sheep would follow them. And then they would lead their sheep out to graze, to drink, so on and so forth. And that is the illustration that is being used here. Now, throughout the Old Testament, God is referred to as the shepherd of his people. But so are the prophets. So are the leaders among the peoples, the elders among the people, the scribes among the people. They're all the kings, the priests. They're all labeled shepherds. And throughout the Old Testament, God had these stern rebukes for worthless shepherds. And I want to take a look at some of these with you. First, look at Jeremiah 23. The purpose of looking at this passage, these passages, we're going to take a look at uh, Ezekiel 34 also, is to show you that it is because of blindness that the Pharisees did not understand. And uh, so... Most of you know I have seven kids, so rambunctious children do not distract me, so don't worry about it. They can be as rambunctious as they would like. No, no worries. Okay? Uh, so, Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 1. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pastures says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord God of Israel, against the shepherds who feed my people. You have scattered my flock, driven them away, and not attended to them. This was the man born blind. This is exactly what the Pharisees had done to the man born blind. They cast him out of the synagogue. His parents were afraid to say, Jesus healed my son, because they would have been cast out of the synagogue. They were worthless shepherds. Behold, I will attend to you for, the evil, for your evil doings, says the Lord. God does not take worthless Shepherds lightly. When, when, when a man or a group of men decide to make a decision that they are going to lead God's people, it is a holy responsibility. And to attempt to lead a people and not be able to provide for that people what God requires is, is really a, a usurpation of authority that you shouldn't have. It's like, uh, it's like this. I don't, 
I don't remember when I used this illustration. Maybe I haven't used it here. It's like a man, uh, you know, let's say a single man, he meets a woman and uh, begins to discuss, you know, talk with this woman. He's attracted to her. He thinks she's pretty. She thinks he's handsome. And he thinks to himself, wow, you know, I think I found myself a wife. And uh, she has children. And he says to the woman, look, I could sure take care of you, but I can't take care of those kids. Is he a fit husband for that woman? Not at all. So when a man steps in to quote-unquote shepherd a people, and he's just not able to care for them as he ought to care for them, he's a hireling. Look at Jeremiah 34. And God will require it at that man's hand. I will require it of you. Look at Ezekiel now, 34. Uh, I meant Ezekiel. <laughs> Sometimes sheep bite. <laughs> Ezekiel 34. <laughs> the shepherds have to have tough skin. <laughs> Ezekiel 34. Now look at Ezekiel 34. Beginning at verse 1. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. This woe, at least, should remind you We're going to look at some other woes, but the the woes that Jesus gives to the Pharisees. And what these shepherds were doing is they were fleecing the flock. Whatever they could get out of the people of God. Now, it's not always monetary. Sometimes it's just the fact that you get to teach and stand in front of people and you get this sort of perceived authority to kind of, you know, run things in the church and people, you know, they, 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 they get something out of that. But it's for themselves, it's not for the people of God. You eat the fat and clothe yourself with wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. What's the point here? That the sheep are used for their enrichment. The weak you have not strengthened. Nor have you healed those who were sick nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost. Again, right? You have this this blind man who, he was weak. He was sick. He was broken. They drove him away, and they didn't seek him. They let him just go. Get out of here. And you see the responsibility of a shepherd, you know, sometimes a good shepherd to some people will seem intrusive. But it's not, he's not being intrusive. He wants to know how you're doing. Because he has a responsibility before God to care for your soul. And these shepherds were not doing that. But with force... 
in cruelty you have ruled them. Do you remember the words of 1 Peter, what Jesus says to the shepherds there in 1 Peter chapter, 1 Peter chapter 5? Listen to what he says to the shepherds there. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. So you uh, serve, and this. Um, you serve the people of God by overseeing them, by watching over them. Uh, you, you learn, when you're in a place long enough, and we've not been here long enough to do this, but you could tell how people are doing just by looking at their face. I remember, I, I, I remember that just clearly preaching at the church where I came from. 200 people, you look around and you're like, they're not doing good. Why? Because you know your people. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. This idea that, oh, I was forced into the position, there's nothing else I, I could have done. No. You say, I can't. Sorry, ma'am, I can't marry you because I can't take care of your kids. Not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. And you see, this, this idea of dishonest gain is something that happens. Right? Men pastor churches for dishonest gain. Some way. It's money, sex, power, authority, whatever power trip they can get. Not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. There, there has to be this great desire to do it from the heart. Nor as being lords over those entrusted to you. You see, God, um, one of the ways to, a different way besides the shepherd that uh, Paul describes the pastoral ministry is as a household manager. And what God does is He entrusts people to you, the care of people, the care of their souls to pastors. And God says to the pastor, care for this sheep's soul. Care for them. And when you care for them, you're, you, don't, you don't have the authority to force them to do anything. But being examples to the flock. Uh, being an example means that you do things when they're not watching. You do things for them. If, if you only do things that are sacrificial for the people of God, when the people of God are around, you probably have bad motives. But being examples to the flock. Examples in what? Well, you know, you could think of the categories which would be which are helpful that that uh, Bunyan uses when he's or yeah, Bunyan uses when faithful is talking with Mr. Talkative. Heart, house, 
and in public. What kind of man is he? In his heart, in his house, and in his public, and in public. And you know, shepherds who do not, if you don't know the life of your shepherd, of the man who is a pastor, like if you're not, you can't go to his house, you can't come over, you can't show up randomly. Hey, pastor, how you doing? I was in the neighborhood, wanted to say hi, and he says, well, come back in two hours. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if the pastor is not open that way, well, you don't know him. You know, going to a church where there are 10,000 people, right, you, you don't have a pastor. That guy doesn't know you by name. It's impossible. And you don't know him. Being an example to the flock, and this is why. And when the chief shepherd appears, that's what happened in John. The, the chief shepherd showed up. And you know what he saw the Pharisees doing? Abusing the people. And that's why he was so angry with the Pharisees. And that's why it's, it is not only a good thing, but it is an imperative for faithful shepherds to tell their congregation such and such a pastor is a wolf. Don't listen to that person. We are supposed to do that. Why? Because we are entrusted with the care of your soul. I was having a conversation with... Um, a person who, who uh, comes here regularly, he told me he was listening to a, a, a false teacher. So I read some about the false teacher, got some bad examples. I even pulled down some video of the guy talking like a devil. And uh, I sat with him and I told him, look, you can't listen to this guy anymore. Listen to what he's saying. Not because um, I'm trying to lord it over him, but because I care for his soul. I'm going to have to give an account as a pastor. And every pastor will have to one day answer to the, sh the chief shepherd. These, I died for these people, Jesus will say. And I entrusted them to you. And what did you do? What did you do for them individually and corporately? How did you care for my sheep? I love the, there's a meme uh, it goes around like pastors groups on Facebook and sometimes every once in a while you see it pop up on your feed and it's this guy, he looks really old and he's smiling and he says, you know, pastoral ministries, how's pastoral ministry? Pastoral ministry is great. I'm 34 years old and, I, and you know, the guy looks like he's 80. <laughs> because caring for people does wear you thin. But that's the responsibility that you have as a shepherd is to care for your people. Why? Because we will have to give an account. Back to uh, Jeremiah, I mean, uh, Ezekiel chapter 34. You eat the, verse 3, you eat the fat, clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became food for all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains 
and on every hill, yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth, and no one was seeking or searching for them. What a, what a horrible picture the Lord paints here of His people. Scattered, poorly treated, not fed well, just basically, you know, you know sheep aren't like feral cats. You know, you could put a feral cat out and that, or just a regular cat. It'll become feral and survive and thrive in the wilderness. You put a sheep out, it's done. It's not going to have much life. <clears throat> and that is the way that we are. We need someone to care for our souls. Now, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ does it, but He understands our weakness, that we are but dust. So what does He do? He, he uh, in the book of Ephesians, he, uh, the way that Paul puts it is that God, Christ, gives gifts to men. And part of that gifts are elders to watch over the people of God. A pastor is not being intrusive if he's getting in your business. It's more than likely it's because he loves you. Now, granted, you know, he's not asking you for your social security number and how much money you made last year. <laughs> you, you understand? That's <laughs> not what I mean. But those kind of probing questions and difficult conversations that he has with you is not, is, ought to be because he loves you. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, says the Lord God, surely because my flock became a prey, my flock became food for every beast of the field, because there was no shepherd, nor did my shepherds search for my flock, but the shepherds fed themselves and did not feed my flock. Therefore, O shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Uh, what is a shepherd supposed to do? Well, we have wonderful pictures of what shepherds do. In David, for example. What does David do? David sees a bear trying to take one of, God, one of his little sheep, and what does he do? He fights a bear and a lion. And not only does he do that, but in the midst of his own sin, when somebody tells him, hey, look, this guy stole my sheep, David says, bring him here, and I will kill him. Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require at their hand. You see, again, this is the same thing in Jeremiah. God will require at the hand of false shepherds for their mistreatment of God's people. I will cause them to, to cease feeding the flock, and the shepherds shall feed themselves no more. I will deliver my flock from their mouths, and they may no longer be food for them. What God says is, I'll, I'll depose them. I'll do whatever I have to, so that they no longer feed upon my people. So when, uh, turn back to John here. So when, John 10. So when Jesus speaks these words, the fact that the Pharisees did not understand is because they were blind. They were worthless shepherds. They were hirelings. They didn't love the people of God. They loved the praise of men. They loved the applause and the congratulation. They, they didn't love the hard work of caring for sheep. I've never had to care for wild animals. But, you know, we've got YouTube. So this week you go online. What do shepherds do? Right, and watch videos. Man, it's some rough work. <laughs> Shearing and caring for sheep and 
you know, deworming sheep and they get maggots everywhere and they're just the dumbest and most docile creatures on the planet, you know. But God compares us to sheep, all of us, even pastors. We are sheep and we need shepherds. We need someone to care for us. So then, Jesus says, amen, amen. I say to you, I tell you the solemn truth. Now he's going he, he, he's gonna to use the imagery that we already talked about. He says, he who does not enter through the door. And here, Jesus, of course, mixes his metaphors. He calls himself the door in, chap- in uh, this chapter, in verse 7 and in verse 9. Right at the beginning of verse 9, he says, I am the door. We will take a look at what Jesus means by that when we come to those verses. But here generally, I think Matthew Poole is correct when he says, what Jesus is referring to in this, in this beginning portion, because what he's going to do in the following verses is he's going to give an exposition of this illustration. But here generally, what he's talking about, generally what he is referring to is the way which God has appointed for any person to take charge of his church. There is a way to become a pastor, right? So first, there are the moral qualifications. We have them in uh, 1 Timothy. We have them in Titus. There are moral qualifications for a man to be a pastor. And then, of course, there's the gift of teaching. But not only that, there also is the suffrage of the church. The church has to agree. We want this guy to be the pastor, So, moral qualifications, spiritual gifting, and the uh, suffrage of the church. And these shepherds, um, well, they didn't have any of that. They had not come through the door, as Jesus says. They had not come into the dwelling place of the little sheep. The term used here is is uh, the word for sheep, but it's the diminutive. Right? So, uh, the di- so my name is Ricardo. The diminutive of Ricardo wouldn't be Rick. It would be Ricky. Right? And so, so the diminutive of sheep are, we would say, little sheep or a little lamb. And that is the way that God views. Here, here's another picture, right? This is the way that Jesus is illustrating his people. Very, very helpless. They need a shepherd. Now, you know, I'm a 37-year-old man. There's only one person that still calls me Ricky. I'm not going to tell you who he is. Uh, I allow him to because he's a lot older than I am. Um, but please don't, don't call me Ricky. Rick is fine. <laughs> not Ricky. Um, so... so, so the, uh, the sheep have this endearing quality. Right? You know, if your neighbor has a big old dog and it's running around the yard, you, you might like the dog and pet it a little bit, but you're not going to come outside to see it. But if he gets like four or five little puppies, you're, out, you're going outside. Hey, look, you got puppies. Come here, right? And this is the way that God views his people. They're very dear to him. So access to them is restricted. 
there are only certain people that the Lord will allow into the sheepfold. This word that's used for sheepfold is also used for courtyard. And it's used in John, just one other time in John. Look at the way that the word is used. So you get an idea of, of what it meant, what it sort of, what it means to be allowed into a courtyard. In John 18, verse 15. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. More than likely, that's John himself. Now, that disciple was known to the high priest, probably because he was of a priestly family. Remember, John, the gospel writer, and John the Baptist were cousins of Jesus. They were related. And John the Baptist's father was a priest. So he was probably, this John, the gospel writer, was probably known. He knew the high priest. He, was, he, he knew them. So, now, that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus, into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside the door. Why? Because he didn't know him. And this is, a courtyard is the same word that's used here to describe a sheepfold. And, and that, there's the idea, if I know you, I'll let you in. It's, it's you know, if a stranger knocks on your door, and uh, he says, hey, can I look in your house? You said, no, I don't know, I don't know you. How about if he says, well, can I just see the living room? You know, if you open the windows a little bit, I just want to peek in the living room. Or maybe uh, in the kitchen. Can I see what the kitchen looks like? Open the fridge. I'll just stand outside with my phone. Or can I see your kid's bedroom? Can I see your bedroom? What would you say? No. Absolutely not. These are private. And so is access to God's people. That's why even in membership... Uh, right? As we have accepted people into membership, what have I told you? Go talk to them. You have to talk. If, if somebody's applying to be a member of this church, I'm going to talk to them. And when we get together, I'm going to say, yes, I think we should because of these reasons. I think we shouldn't because of these reasons. And you should be able to have those same kinds of conversations. Uh, maybe, depending on your maturity, not at a very in-depth level, but you can learn to ask very simple questions. Why? Because this is God's sheepfold. Now, what is the sheepfold? What is the sheepfold? Well, here, the sheepfold, of course, is Judaism. Listen, listen to what Jesus says in chapter 10, verse 16. In chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus says, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. And there he's speaking of the Gentiles. But this initial flock, of course, because he's talking to the Pharisees. And what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, this is very close to what... Uh, um, it's related, at least, to what Keith was saying about the reconstitution of Jewish worship in a temple and sacrificing animals. Jesus is coming to take his sheep out of Judaism. 
Not because Judaism was antithetical, but because the fulfillment of all of those types and shadows were coming in his person. He is the great shepherd. And he was coming to take them out of Judaism. So people today, you know, the Hasidic Jews that live in this area, or maybe uh, just other Jews who worship in synagogues, that's, that worship is not pleasing to God at all. Because they do not worship Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Now, our responsibility is to call them. To call them out of that fold and to come into this fold. That there might be one fold, as he says in verse 16. So, that is who the sheepfold is. The Jewish nation. And then he says, the person who climbs up another way. Uh, again, the illustration of Pilgrim's Progress should come to mind, right? You have all of these men that are, are they're finding another way to get on the same path. If they don't come by the requirements that Jesus has laid down for them or that God has laid down for them in the Word of God, then they're not called to be shepherds. And when people climb in another way, this is what they do. They are thieves and robbers. Whether you like it or not. Right? Well, you know, he meant well and he was... No. Or maybe he was vicious. They were vicious. They are thieves and robbers. If they are not biblically qualified, spiritually gifted, and the church does not agree by common suffrage to bring them in as their shepherd... They are thieves and robbers. And thieves and robbers here, this is, um, I'll read this briefly and then we'll, we'll, we'll close. So we got through one verse. The two words, they, 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 there is uh, overlap in the meaning of the two words, but there is also great distinction. Because the, the thief takes by fraud and in secret. The robber takes by violence and openly. So for, look at Matthew 24, And no one knows the hour. That's the, the, the point of this particular parable that Jesus is giving. And he says, Know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Why? Because the thief comes in sneaky, right? By stealth, and he you know, plunders the people slowly by fraud and in secrecy. But the robber is violent. Look at 2 Corinthians. The, the, the thief then are those guys who get into the church and they embezzle hundreds or thousands or hundreds of thousands and sometimes millions of dollars from God's people. They do it little by little. 
But the robber is not like that. In 2 Corinthians, Paul gives this illustration, uh, gives this example of all of the violent difficulties that he has suffered. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26. And he categorizes robbers in this, um, in this list. In, in, uh, so listen. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the cities, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils of false brethren. Dangers, right? In per- perils, that's what he means, right? So great difficulty. And there are some men who come into the church. So you, a lot of the TV preachers do this, right? They, they take money by force. And they do it in their preaching and their teaching. Right? God will not bless you if you do not. Right? The reason why you're not healed is because you don't have enough faith. You need to sow some seed. Right? That is strong-arm robbery <laughs> by means of sermon. <laughs> and what should God's people do? When you see that, you run from that. You keep running until you find a good shepherd, a, a, a good congregation with a good shepherd that will care for your soul. And generally, it's best to have more than one shepherd, multiple shepherds. Congregations need multiple shepherds. Um, Let let me finish. I'm going to read a quote here. This is from um, a dictionary. I can't remember which one. Whoever, whosoever they be, these thieves or robbers, that thrust themselves into the care. Oh, this is Matthew Poole, actually. Whosoever they be, that thrust themselves into the care, conduct, and government of the church without any call or warrant from God, though uh, through which whosoever enters into must enter, right, through, through the uh, uh, requirements that God has set down, from whom he must derive, or if he be a thief and a robber, his very entrance makes it appear that his end is not to feed the sheep, but to feed himself. And that he drives only private designs of advantage for himself. So you think, right? You think. You can, you can think of maybe, maybe people who were here in the past. Maybe you could think of people who are in other places, friends and family members that you have in other churches, or other churches generally. Or examine even me and think to yourself... When I think about the biblical qualifications, the spiritual gifting, and the suffering of the church, is this person qualified to be a shepherd here? You ought to often be doing that, right? The, being a pastor is not intrinsic to my person. So, so, so if I stop being a pastor, there's no, and you see me somewhere doing some plumbing work or, I don't know, whatever, right? Whatever I'm working on at Walmart, and you see me at Walmart, you don't have to say, hey, Pastor Rick. I'm not a pastor anymore, right? Being a pastor is an office that is given to a person with moral qualifications, spiritual gifting, and the suffrage of the church. And if those three things aren't together, and if they don't continue, right? Because, well, how does the devil come? The devil comes as an angel of light, right? He's got a beautiful head of hair. He's got a Colgate smile, beautiful, you know, really, really nice suits, and uh, he, he speaks really well. That's how the devil is. And 
the devil will sneak in and he doesn't go through the door. Maybe you thought he went through the door, but he actually snuck in some other way. And he gets among God's people. That's why these requirements, you have to know them. In First Timothy and Titus, you've got to know those requirements. And you've got to constantly be thinking, not, not, not wickedly, but thinking to yourself, Does the, the, is, is the man or the men who are leading us? And that's important. They ought to be men, not women. Women can't be pastors. And, and it's not because we're sexist. Uh, there's just one verse. P, P, uh, Paul says that a pastor must be the husband of one wife. It can't be a woman. <laughs> Women ought not have a wife. <laughs> That's an easy one to, you know. And so, so anybody. So even the, ch- the churches in this area, and there are a good number of them who have women pastors, the, those are bad churches. I would not recommend anybody go to those churches, never in a million years. S- stay home and read your Bible. If there's no other church, stay home and read your Bible. Because what those churches are doing is they're courting disasters. Why? Because God has spoken in His Word, and we ought not to be wiser than God. Okay, let's, let's pray. I'm starting to melt. <laughs> let, let, let's pray, and we will return to John 10 next week, hopefully with air conditioning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the clarity of your word. And we ask, Lord God, that you would help us as a people to be discerning when it comes to the office of an elder. Help us, Lord God. Help us here to raise up men who will be good shepherds to our souls. Bless them, Lord. Strengthen them. Use them. And drive away any false shepherds from this place, Lord God. And help us. Help us, Lord, to honor you in our worship. In Christ's name we pray.